You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, I love pinatas, and I felt like as the team brought a pinata to church today, I felt like this is the most beautiful pinata I think I've ever seen in my life. So anybody grow up having pinatas at the birthday parties? Anybody besides me? Okay, that was like the highlight of every birthday party. And one of the things that was always interesting to me about the pinata part of the birthday party is that when the pinata is broken open and all that sugary goodness falls to the ground, you had different strategies to get more candy, right? So there was always bulldozer guy. Do you remember a bulldozer guy? He was the guy that was bigger than anyone else and he could just plow people out of the way and grab all the candy for himself, right? But then there was also little Speedy Gonzalez guy who he was fast, he was usually smaller. He could run around bulldozer guy and pick up a piece of candy here and there. But then there was belly flop guy, okay? Belly flop guy is that guy that sacrifices his body, and when the candy falls, he dives on top of the candy, and he rakes it all underneath his abdomen so that you're going to have to get uncomfortable with your hands to get to the candy, right? Uh, Because the candy isn't going to be all under him. But my strategy was always baseball hat guy, okay? I would take my baseball cap, uh, I would hold it underneath the pinata, or I would just rake candy into my hat because you always had to watch out for scavenger guy who was going around and picking candy off of people uh, who had it in different ways, and I could keep the candy safe in my hat uh, on the pinata. But we know that the reason that we love pinatas is that when you break them, a treasure comes out, doesn't it? So like every broken pinata produces a treasure from the inside, in this case, in the form of skitlets. (laughs) So we're all, what are those things called again? Skillets. Skitlets. I'm going to read the package. Skittles. You want these Skittles? Okay, there you go, Ashley. So, if, I, if the pastor can get Skittles right, we can continue on with the service, all right? <laughs> it's going to be hard from this point out, right? Here's what I want to get across to you guys today, you little Skittles. Is <laughs> that we're like pinatas in a lot of ways. When we're broken, a treasure comes out. In fact, only a broken pinata can give a treasure. And God uses these very earthy kinds of illustrations throughout the Scriptures to help us understand spiritual truths. And one of those metaphors that He gives are of these clay jars. I brought a picture of one. You see these all over the Holy Land. The ancients would keep liquids, waters, and the like in these Uh, ancient clay jars, but they also used them as kind of like safety deposit boxes. They would put money in it and valuables in these clay pots, and they would bury them in a field, and then when they wanted those treasures back, they would get the clay jar, and they would break it open. They would uh, break a hole in it, and they would get their money or treasures out of the clay jar. So with this background in mind, I want you to listen to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, where Paul says, but we have this treasure in clay jars, so that it will be evident that such overwhelming power comes from God and not from us. We have all kinds of troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, yet 
not in despair, persecuted yet not abandoned, knocked down yet not destroyed. And so we are like these broken jars or pinatas with a treasure inside if we've received Christ. Now, when I talk about brokenness today, um, I'm not talking about just those little imperfections about ourselves that we don't like. You know what I'm saying? Uh, have you ever met a guy? It's like you get older and guys, hair starts moving from our foreheads down to our ears and other places we don't want it, right? Uh, you ever wanted to be a V-shape, but you're turning out to be a pear shape? Okay, I'm not talking about that. Ladies, you have stretch marks after having babies. Hey, those, those are just uh, badges of honor, right? I mean, I know they're little imperfections. How many teenagers among us, you know, you get pimples or you get zits or whatever when you're teenagers, you make a C on your report card, okay? These are things that you don't like. These are things that are imperfections, but these are not things that break you. And breaking is also not that guy that likes to be considered the underdog because said guy knows that the underdog, everybody feels sorry for the underdog, and so he tries to position himself as the underdog uh, in some, some cases. But that, that's not really brokenness. That's just really false humility. Um, but what I'm talking about in breaking or brokenness is that disability, that financial ruin, the life-altering disease, a sinful addiction that's ruining your life, or that problem that you don't want anybody to know about, the addiction, the struggle, the painful thing that happened to you some years ago, or the painful thing that you did that if you could go in a time machine and go back, you would completely erase that thing. Brokenness is when you feel altered or you feel like a freak, um, those things in your life that make you feel less than. Now, different things break different people, but you got to understand that brokenness is not just the minor imperfections. Brokenness are the things that really bring us down. And we've been in a series in recent days called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. There's a book by that title written by an author named Pete Scazzaro. He also wrote a book called The Emotionally Healthy Church. And in this series, we've been looking at um, our emotional and spiritual health. If you would like to take an emotional health assessment, you can go to citychurchdowntown.com, and on the front page there, we have that assessment if you'd like to link to that and take that assessment. But I wanted to show you a little chart that's in the Emotionally Healthy Church book that compares those who are proud and defensive with people who are broken pinatas. And so you're proud and defensive if you're guarded and protective of your flaws. You're broken pinatas if you're transparent about your flaws and you disclose those flaws to appropriate other people. Are you highly offendable and defensive or are you approachable and open to input? Do you give your opinions a lot even when not asked for or are you slow to speak and quick to listen? Um, are you the type that doesn't get close to other people, or are you open and curious about other people? Um, do you like to control most situations, or can you let go and allow others to lead? Um, do you have to be right all the time, or do you admit your mistakes and your weaknesses? Are you demanding, or are you able to just simply assert yourself kindly and respectfully? Do you always blame others for what's going on, or do you take responsibility for yourself? Do you hold grudges and rarely ask for forgiveness? Or uh, are you able to ask others for forgiveness as it's needed? And then finally, are you highly self-conscious and concerned about what others think? Or are you more concerned with God and others than the way 
others perceive you. Now, as you look at that chart, you may want to have your spouse or one of your family members help you evaluate that because sometimes we're nicer to ourselves than we really perhaps should be. Um, But that helps us see if we are a broken piñata because we remember that only broken piñatas can give a treasure. And what brokenness does is it means you're open. Broken people are open people, open to receive something good from God. And when I talk about openness here, I'm not talking about some people's view of being open-minded, because the truth is, is a lot of people who claim to be open-minded are not open-minded if they hear from someone with truly a different opinion than theirs. A lot of people like truth to come in or ideas to come into them, much like they like the algorithms of their social media that really just puts things in their feed that agrees with their already existing viewpoints. And the openness I'm talking about actually transcends just being open-minded to being open-hearted. And when you're open-minded and open-hearted, as you've been broken, you're open to God and what He says, not the opinions of human beings, but what God says and what He asks of you to do, see? So spiritual pinatas are also willing to release control, release control. When we've been broken, it hurts, and the pain makes us want to avoid more pain, and so we tightly control things, situations, and other people to keep us from feeling more pain of brokenness. Have you ever met those parents who um, hold tightly, they control their kids tightly to the point that they squeeze their kids so much that the kids squeeze out of their hands and want to leave the nest as soon as they can to get their freedoms? Or have you ever known that manager at work that squeezed people so tightly and controlled them to an extent that everyone always has their LinkedIn up to date so that they can make sure and be prepared to get another job as soon as is possible. And you know, we live in a society of controls because of people's woundedness. So there's all kind of controls like pest control, there's birth control, there's air traffic control, there's gun control, and men, the most important control we know is the remote control. Can I get an amen from the guys, right? And the reason is, Our hands are symbolic of control in our lives because whatever we have in our hands represents what we have control of. And that's why many of us have to hold that remote control because that is the sign of authority in our homes in some way. Um, But that's why people with control issues always have to wash their hands. They always have to have hand sanitizer nearby because no germs can get on these hands. And that's why um, they are always freaking out about holding hands with other people because those germs might crawl right onto them in a way that they cannot control. Uh, But when we are broken appropriately, we can release control. I read this book on prayer by a guy named Richard Foster that I thought was really good. And in that book, he had this prayer that was for uh, releasing, or it was the prayer of relinquishment. And I want to show it to you. I thought it was very straightforward. He said, oh Lord, how do I let go when I'm so, so unsure of things? I'm unsure of your will and I'm unsure of myself. That really isn't the problem at all, is it? The truth of the matter is, I hate the very idea of letting go. I really want to be in control. No, I need to be in control. That's it, isn't it? I'm afraid to give up control. 
afraid of what might happen. Heal my fear, Lord. I think that's a good prayer for a lot of us because we want so badly to get out of the pain of broken situations that we scurry around and try and control everything. Now, I saw a, a television show some years ago that really helped me with this, this need for pain relief in the midst of difficult situations. It's that show uh, on the Discovery Channel, Man vs. Wild. Have we seen this show? Have we seen Bear Grylls? Anybody know Bear Grylls? Okay, this guy's like one of the coolest guys on television, in my opinion, okay? Because here's what he did on this episode. He's walking along, and he sees this... Uh, this pit of quicksand. And if you know Bear, if you've ever watched the show, you know Bear's not just going to say, hey, there's quicksand. Avoid the quicksand. Bear is going to like jump into the quicksand and he's going to say, here's what you do. If you ever happen to be walking through the woods on a camping trip and you fall into a pit of quicksand. But what he said that was so interesting to me was he says, you don't try and scurry to get out real fast because the more you wiggle, the more you move, the more it will suck you in. He said, you lean onto it, you lay onto it, and then slowly with your arms, try and work your way out, and perhaps someone else will come along who can give you a hand and help pull you out. And that's what we have to do when we go through painful, broken times of life, is we have to somewhat lean into it, lean into the pain, lay on top of the pain and experience it, and then slowly work our way out of the pain. This is why the recovery process works. You've heard of Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous. Here we have a class we call Peel the Onion. And a couple of principles that you'll find in almost every recovery program is we admit we were powerless over addiction, that our lives had become unmanageable. And you'll also see in the recovery process the principle that says we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And the reason that these principles are so important is that they help you and I to see that we are not in control, that God is ultimately the one who is in control, and we must release control to Him. So brokenness also leads to repentance. It leads to what the Bible calls repentance, a change of mind and behaviors. And so if you read the New Testament two books, uh, Corinthians, a couple of letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthian people. There was a guy in that church who had been involved in a very egregious kind of sexual sin. Um, he is having this strange affair, and he had to be corrected by Paul and in the church. And, you know, that's the role of the pastor sometimes. We're supposed to either comfort or convict and as a pastor, I really love the parts where I get to comfort you guys and everybody feels good. But you know, there are times where I had to present to you truths from the Bible that may convict you. That is, may allow the Holy Spirit to touch on a nerve in you, a behavior that you're doing that's straight up wrong and that's going to lead to death and demise in your life if you don't repent and turn the other direction. And look, man, I don't bring these things up to you because I like throwing down on you or because I like shaking my finger at you. I tell you these things because I love you. And some of you, I got to give you a warning today that if you don't repent, God will do the breaking. And it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. He disciplines those whom he loves. And today, some of you are being warned. And you may choose to not heed that warning but I would suggest that you do. And look at how Paul talks to this man who had been involved in this egregious kind of sin. 
and was sorry about it, broken over it, and repented of it. He says in 2 Corinthians 7, 9, yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to what? Repentance. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Now, don't mistakenly believe that you have to repent of all your sins in order to earn a love relationship with God. In this context, salvation is about spiritual growth, not about spiritual birth. But what he is saying here is that if we will repent, it will lead us to the ways of life. If we do not repent, if we stay in our sin, it could cause serious ramifications toward death in this life. And a lot of people say, well, you know what? I don't need to repent. My life is going just fine right now. Some of you guys think, hey, man, I have this hot chick. I got a great job. I'm making good money. Some of you ladies say, yeah, I've got this good-looking guy, and he's really cool, and we do whatever we want to do. And some of you uh, got, are making great money, and things are going great in your life, and you just go have sex with whoever you want to have sex with, and you go party and do whatever you want to do. And you say to God, I'm all good, God. I am a treasure. And you know what God will say to you? No, you are a clay jar. But if you will humble yourself before God, repent and turn from sin and say, God, I'm a clay jar, he will say, yes, my child, but inside you there is a treasure. You see how it works? This is the good grace of God and King David when he had committed significant sin. If you're new to church and you don't know King David's story, I'll give it to you in a nutshell. This was a guy that was a man after God's own heart but he committed adultery. And then to cover it up, he had the woman's husband murdered. So he's an adulterer and a murderer, and he turned towards God. And look what he said in Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifice you want is a what? Broken spirit, a broken and repentant heart, oh God, you will not despise. And so if you're broken and willing to submit to God in repentance, here's what'll happen. God will transform your brokenness into a treasure. He'll transform your brokenness into a treasure. Sometimes I like to read the voice translation of the New Testament. And when I came across Romans 8.28, I thought it was a really great rendering. Look at it with me. Paul says in Romans 8.28, we are confident that God is able to orchestrate. Isn't that a great word? Orchestrate. Everything to work towards something good and beautiful when we love him and accept his invitation to live according to his plan. Now that verse doesn't say that all things are good, right? Rape is not good, abuse is not good, cancer is not good, wars are not good, everything's not good. That verse also does not say everything's gonna work out the way I want it to work out, but it says God can orchestrate transform all the different events of my life, all the ingredients of my life. So anybody like cookies besides me? Like cookies? And I'm going to show you a picture that's going to make you want to get out of here and go eat cookies. I mean, look at, the, look at that picture up there. That, that is Satan right there, okay? Um, if you're trying to watch your weight, that is, a, you give me a glass of milk and those are gone, okay? Actually, we love the treasure that is cookies, don't we? But if you take all the individual ingredients of those chocolate chip cookies by themselves, they're not so good, are they? The shortening, 
not so good. The flour is not good. The salt by itself is not good. The raw eggs are not good unless you're a Rocky. The only good part of the chocolate chip cookie that is good by itself are those little chocolate chips there. I mean, you could, you could throw down on those and that would be really good. But here's what happens. When you mix it all together and put it in the oven and heat it up, you bake it. In the heat, it's transformed to the treasure that is the chocolate chip cookie. In fact, if no one has ever invented a piñata that spills out cookies, someone should make that piñata, the cookie piñata. That would be a great thing, a great invention. But look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And so those parts of your life that you feel like are the weaknesses, the past divorce, the hurt, the job loss, the career problem, the disability you may feel like is a weakness, but that is the opportunity for Christ's power to come upon you. Only the broken piñata gives a treasure. Remember now, why is God going to all this trouble to transform our brokenness? Well, I was helped on this when I read a story about a water carrier in India. And this guy had a pole that he suspended across his upper body, and he would carry these clay jars, clay pots of water uh, up to the master's home from the river. And one of the clay pots was perfect. And every time, it carried 100% of the water up to the master's home on the end of the pole. But the other clay pot, clay jar, had a crack in it. It was broken. And by the time it would get up to the master's house, it was only half full. Half the water had leaked out. And so the perfect pot was very proud of its accomplishment that over the years, it had gotten 100% of the water from the river up to the master's home. But the broken pot was embarrassed and ashamed and said to the water carrier, Sir, I'm so sorry about my brokenness. I'm ashamed and embarrassed that I've wasted your efforts in only getting half of my capacity up to the master's home. I'm so sorry uh, that I've wasted your efforts there and leaked out so much water. And then the water carrier said to the broken pot, well, wait just a minute, and he smiled. He said, I want you to look along your side of the path when we go up to the master's home today. And so they made that long journey up from the river, and as he watched, the broken pot saw some beautiful flowers lining his side of the path. And the water carrier said, if you notice that there are no flowers on the side of the path of the perfect pot, but all the beautiful flowers are on your side of the path because I knew about your weakness and your brokenness. I planted seeds along that side of the path so that as we walked each day, your brokenness would water the seeds that they might grow. And that's why I have these beautiful flowers on the table of the master today is because of your brokenness. And I think you know where I'm going with this, right? You and I are those broken pots. And God is using our brokenness to water the seeds of the gospel in the lives of other 
hurting people because it's only the broken pinata that gives a treasure, you know? And remember the guy, David, we were talking about earlier who had committed these really horrible sins? Well, look at what he said in Psalm 51.8. He said to God, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me again the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to sinners and they will return to you. And part of what God is doing through our brokenness is he's pouring out onto sinners that they might turn to him and experience the goodness and beauty of his grace. And at City Church, our mission is to help people who are far from God become fully devoted followers of Christ. And because of our mission, we are very accepting of all different kinds of people. At the same time, we don't get to change the truths and the principles of the Word of God. We have to call people to repentance when people are disobeying God's Word. But another concept from God's Word that we have to follow, a principle, is that we serve and love broken people. So would you guys help me protect our environment of grace here? Would you help me protect the environment of embracing broken, broken people, people like who do drugs and look at porn and women who get paid in $1 bills and adulterers and thieves and gluttons and people that are still keeping up with the Kardashians and murderers and sagging pants gangsters and freaks and geeks and people who think that championship wrestling is real and people that like text while they're driving, you know, and um, <laughs> that was a good one for me. And then those guys in my neighborhood that ride bikes all the time that wear those really tight lycra shorts, that should be banned, you know. Um, we got to welcome pagans and potheads, meatheads, crackheads, deadheads, and methheads, and people who put trash in their recycle bins. That's a peeve of mine. And also those people who cut me off on the sidewalk trying to catch Pokemon. All of us can have grace that comes from God no matter how broken. And you know, the reason that broken people like you and I have the opportunity to receive God's grace is because Jesus was broken. Let me take you to 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he what? He broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this and remember it's for me. And the reason that broken people like you and I can come to a relationship with God is because Jesus was broken on the cross. He died there to take the penalty for my sins and for yours. That's what's pictured in communion. But can you imagine a birthday party where there's a pinata and it's broken open and nothing falls out? <laughs> the kids would be all, what a cheap bunch of parents, you know. <laughs> you teased us with that pinata and nothing came out. Look. That's you if you don't know Christ. The brokenness will not bring out the treasure. The treasure must be in you. And Jesus is the pearl of great price. But the good news is, if you will admit your need for Christ and believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, 
you can, as a free gift, receive the greatest treasure in the universe into your heart and life. So with that in mind, let's bow for prayer. And if you would like to begin a relationship with God right now through Christ, for the first time in your life, just pray something like this in your own heart between you and God. God, I know I've sinned. I've hurt people. I've made mistakes. I have sinned. I'm calling it what it is. But right now, the best I get it, I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin. Jesus was my substitute. And God, I welcome you, the greatest treasure of all, into my life through Christ. Welcome. As we continue in prayer, I want to thank God for those who just prayed that prayer and began the most significant relationship of your lives. But this next prayer, I'm going to say it before I pray it because it's not for everyone, that's for sure. It's kind of a dangerous prayer. It's one that many years ago I uttered before God and my whole life went crazy. But somehow I came out the other end of it changed. And so here's the prayer. God, I give you permission to do whatever it takes to break me so that I can be free and experience your best. Now I said it, now we're going to pray it for those who can. And I totally understand if you can't pray that one. In fact, I recommend that some of you not pray that one because you'll experience some things in your future that may be painful. Here it is. For those of you who can, pray. God, I give you permission to do whatever it takes to set me free from my struggles and addictions that I might experience your best for my life. Father, I thank you for the courage that it took for some to pray that. We acknowledge that we don't need to give you permission for anything. You can sovereignly do whatever you wish. But we thank you at the same time that you're a very kind and gracious God. And oftentimes you're more gentle with us than what we deserve. And so we trust you with all that we've laid before you today, the most broken parts of our lives. Thank you for your grace to us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.